Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your favorite podcast, Pass the Salt. Today's episode is still releasing on a Monday, as always, but um, is releasing on a Monday evening, March 7th, um, instead of at midnight. Um, my apologies. Thank you for your grace and your patience. Um, I'm so excited about this conversation you're about to hear. It's with someone who I look up to, but height-wise, I look down to. Um, so that is a dead giveaway. It is, of course, the one and only Kyra Jane. And she is just such a gem. Um, and anyone who knows her, I think, would agree that it's a pleasure and an honor to and a privilege to know her. Um, Kyra is a social worker and today's episode is talking all about social work and just breaking down some of the misconceptions or stereotypes or maybe just things that like the general public doesn't know unless they have personal experience with social work. Um, So she talks um, at length about those things. And then we also dive into the topics of adoption, of foster care, and um, just of how social work helps children who need someone to advocate for them. Um, Something in their family situation needs to be addressed, and social work is just one of the the justice works that um, speaks up on on behalf of babies through age 18. And so I'm excited for a couple reasons um, that we are having this episode on Pass the Salt. One reason is because I think the church you know, the church is just a group of people. It's not a building and it's not like a country club or after school thing or just to hang out. The church is a community of believers. And one of the things that we're called to as people who follow Christ, that's what Christian is, um, is to love justice and to love mercy and to speak up for people who need us to speak up for them and to be the hands and feet of Jesus and also the loving, welcoming arms of Christ in in our communities. And I think hearing all about adoption and about foster care and hearing how the church can do a better job of stepping up and supporting children and families um, affected by foster care and by adoption is really powerful. And so um, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So this episode's really for anyone um, who is interested in learning more about these topics. The second reason, because I said there were two, that I am excited about this episode is probably more of a personal reason, um, and I share it in the episode that um, I was adopted when I was a little itty-bitty baby, and um, it's something that is like totally normal and ordinary in my life, but I also realize is not necessarily the norm for a lot of people to be adopted and I think it's really extraordinary when we get to highlight things that are out of the ordinary and adoption is one of those things and I love the opportunity to share with you just like behind the curtain of like adoption and foster care and it's something that changed my life for the better and I know will um be a conversation that impacts your your lives as well so as always stay tuned so today's episode is releasing on march 7th you might listen to it way after march 7th 
But in 2022, we have some spring events coming up. I'm going to really quickly tell them to you. The first is on March 24th. That's just a few weeks away from today. Um, we're doing at Urban Churn on the Carlisle Pike in Mechanicsburg a night for just youth leaders. No teenagers are invited. This is a night where we will just hang out with you, talk to you, you can vent to us, um, have some ice cream, and that's from 6 to 8, the Urban Churn. So follow us on social media for that. And then on April 2nd, we are doing the first ever Salt and Light Open Mic Night. So if you have a talent of any kind, within reason okay use your heads um we'd love for you to submit a video of that talent to us and then um just make sure you submit that on our website the link is at our instagram bio right now to do that um by march 19th we will have the order of the show released by march 21st and the show is on april 2nd so people can come the it's a ticketed event ten dollars um Per ticket you can buy in advance or at the door and it's just basically a talent show an open mic night featuring not salt and lighters although i'm sure some salt and lighters will be on stage um, but featuring the wonderful people youth groups students some younger leaders uh, from our community and our network we want to put the spotlight on you guys so i'm really excited about that last thing is on april 24th spring battle ball We'll probably do another Battle Ball episode. I don't know. Why not? Uh, So registration is live at snlym.com under events. Go to Battle Ball. Get your tickets. It's $12 per student. And in the evening, we will have an indoor worship night. This is all being held on the property of Otterbein UMC in Carlisle, which is on Forge Road, which is my alma mater. I was a youth leader there, and then I passed the torch on to Megan Warren, and we are grateful to her and her leadership giving us the space for Battle Ball. (sighs) Okay, you guys, you know what time it is. Sit back, relax, enjoy Kyra Jane, and let's pass the salt. Exactly. I got a lot of of people's answers for this, too. Ooh, for some of the stuff, so like you get to hear from our, yeah, oh, from our counseling so side, from our directors, from our case managers. So. Oh, good! Yes. Wow, this really does feel like a radio. Show. It is. <laughs> Kyra, hi, hi. <laughs> Welcome to Pass the Salt. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. I'm excited to talk to you all about what you do like with your life and in the lives of other people because it's really interesting and something that's probably not talked about enough yes especially in christian circles so first tell us who you are um people probably know you from salt and light but tell us who you are anyways and like all of the hundreds of degrees that you have and like <laughs> what exactly your job title is and then I'll ask you what you do with that job title. So first, who are you and what makes you smart? Okay, okay. Um, I'm not sure what makes you smart. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Kyra. There you go. Yes, I was an intern in 2017 um, for Salt and Light um, and I... I think of like information about that. Um, you did two summers. What years were you? On I did one team? summer. Oh, just just twenty seventeen. Oh. Yeah, yeah, did that. Um, so I guess I can say like how I got there. I met Jesse King through Eastern, um, and then 
that's where I was going for my undergrad at the time. So I was going for uh, my bachelor's of social work at Eastern University and um, I was there for three years and then I did my master's of social work at Widener University. Um, and yeah, then I've been living the social work life ever since then. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it has been a journey. It's um, been a journey, I'm yeah. sure. So what is your job title right now? So I'm currently a foster care and adoption supervisor um, at Bethany Christian Services, and I oversee case management specifically. So there's a lot of us involved in this big foster care world um, and team, but I specifically oversee the case managers who are going into the homes and they are um, just assessing child safety and navigating services for them. Um, we say that we're the liaison for a lot of different team members, so I work with them directly, and then I also have a privilege of serving with, um, working with some kids directly, so I have a small caseload as well, and I do enjoy that as well, so getting to see those kids and, yeah, be their case manager too. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting and sounds stressful and sounds special and important and the world needs more Kyra Jane. You didn't say your full name. Oh yes, is, my name is Kyra Jane, not just Kyra. And I'm also Chrisanna Jane. So <laughs> All the Janes of the world are here. Um, so your work is probably super unique and like different every day based on like the, like you said, liaison work that you're doing, but also like the case work and caseload you have of just, um, children. But what does a day in the life of a social worker look like? Or at least in your <laughs> yeah. like lane of social work? Yeah, there's a few different ways I think I can break this down. Sometimes I summarize that our days are just driving and <laughs> probably drinking some form of coffee or <laughs> caffeinated drink as we are going about our long days, but just lots of traveling. Um, for sure, but for case managers, I see that there were, and for myself, we're in the homes, we're visiting with families and kids. Um, we are spending, you know, one to three hours there and just getting to really check in on how they're doing. Um, so there's a lot of interactive side of this. Um, there's days where I start the day off on a virtual court hearing and I end it with having a virtual call with a kid who wants to play me a song mm. on the piano um, wow. that just happened the other day. He played Harry Potter theme song and he did great. Aww, shout <laughs> but, out Harry yeah, Potter yes. theme song. <laughs> yeah, and it's just there's a lot of different, I think it, it looks so different every day in terms of, for me it's meetings a lot of the time and planning, um, but there's a lot of different spaces where I'm either in homes mm -hmm. or um, we've had to be very creative during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so everything went virtual and then we've slowly ease back to being in person some more but it's a lot of yeah there's a lot of shift um, in yeah. a day like I said maybe a court hearing and maybe a virtual call um, or it could be you know just driving around pick some things up for some kids that need some items um, yeah. dropping them off at offices so there's a lot of variety there's never truly a dull day um, even documentation mm -hmm. which is a lot and takes a lot of time there's always our uh, there's a lot to do, so yeah. there's never a dull day. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're basically, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, like, if I had to sum it up really, really, like, broadly, you're advocating for children, yeah. um, like, from babies to 18. Yeah. Um, yep. 
So what have been, in your experience, um, some highs in advocating for children and like all the things that come with that and maybe some lows in doing that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of advocacy work. It's a lot of just, and, I, and what I'll say just in general of what I think I love the most about this profession, this job, is just it's showing up for mm. kids and families and supporting them through these different steps of their lives. Um, yeah. And that at sometimes it feels very large to say we're helping navigate a child's life. It's, mm. it's large and daunting and it's also so simple and sweet mm. at the same time. Um, but we're advocating, we are, you know, one, asking for ways that we can better support those kids, get them the services that they need, get them the care um, that they need, just basic care, physical. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it's mo emotional, though, and therapeutic. So what are the ways that we can help them best be their, I mean, truly just begin to thrive and be their best, um, you know, versions of, of themselves? And those take a lot of just help and support through processing. Um, mm every child who comes into foster care has already experienced trauma yeah. because they have had a change in their home, yeah. um, a change in their known environment, caregivers, loss of something. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids witness different things mm -hmm. um, that I, I can say, you know, truly as an, <laughs> an adult at my age, just there's things that I have never walked through that some kids who are, yeah, zero to five have seen mm -hmm. more of than I wow. have in my life. And that's, those are hard realities. So. There's a, a lot of lows in, I think, that, of just yeah. trying to, one, help them navigate and get them the stabilization they need in a day mm -hmm. um, when they're having mental health crisis, uh, crises. Um, or uh, I think some low days have looked like sitting in hospitals with them, waiting for um, mental health services to find um, beds that they can go to get more help and support um, to be in facilities that are just gonna care for their needs a little bit more. Yeah than we're able to in a traditional foster home. Um, and so there's a lot of barriers just with navigating our system and the openness that our system has. Um, everyone's inundated is what they say. Wait yeah. lists are really long. And so there's a lot of challenge of just getting kids the services they need and yeah. in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that can be a real challenge yeah. um, and a real low in terms of it. And it's consistent advocating too, though, right? Calling yeah. and just yeah. saying, this is what we want to help to get this child the support they need now. Um, but that doesn't always happen. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of challenge in that. Um, a lot of challenge are just that waiting time, that kind of like in between yeah. of things. So it really, it, it depends on, on the service though and for the child, but there's a lot of low and waiting times, I guess, in that. Low, mm. Lows in just the waiting time um, yeah. itself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think on the contrary of that, the highs are just seeing um, when something finally does come through for a child yeah. um, and getting them you know, started in a service or even um, having necessary just supports of therapy or medication management, all of those things that make a difference for their day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Um, having someone that's walking into their life to support them in a school setting and stop mm -hmm. finally seeing that get assigned. Um, that's always one of the, just I think the really just highlights of, okay, we're getting them the care they need, mm -hmm. um, the care that they so deserve, the care that they've asked for um, in ways. And so there's a lot of, it's again, a balance of just the timing of all of that, but 
getting to see a kid finally be in an environment that's supporting them with the things they need and helping them to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the highs come after a lot of waiting yes. and being patient yeah. and like a lot of doors being shut. Yeah. That's biblical right there. Yeah, that is biblical. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah. So there has, there's a lot of endurance that's needed to mm-hmm. do something like social work and probably even more endurance needed to be the child that's receiving like yeah. the cares that come with social work. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. probably disappointment. Yes. But maybe that makes the highs better? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I think that anticipatory sense or there's, there's so much that they're searching for in mm-hmm. terms of their journeys, like belonging or yeah, yeah. for just different things to fall into place for them. Mm-hmm. Um, where do I belong and where do I fit in? And so I think it does make, you know, those those highs even sweeter. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that they navigate through on their their just journeys of where did I come from, where am I going, who am I, and how yeah. do I fit into this larger world, um, which is a lot for any of us <laughs> in general. And then, yeah, you're a child of, that's currently in a system. So yeah. you have... I mean, truly, so many people around you, and it can get overwhelming, too. That does um, sound overwhelming. Lots to navigate. Lots to navigate. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so you get to, like, be a witness um, through that process. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what made you want to pursue social work and, like, foster and adoption services? Um because it's super unique and interesting and also, like, everything you just described that's challenging. So, yeah. like, what was on your heart that drew you to it? Yeah. Um, so when I had gone to college initially, I knew and wanted to be in a helping profession. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a type of medical profession for me, though. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'll be a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we – and I just – recognizing that um, – when I started college, I just, I didn't like math or science and yeah. I wasn't very good at it. I also, right. so there's just a lot of pieces that like, that didn't make sense, but, um, really wanted to seek what the Lord had for me in terms of how do I, how can I help? How can I provide this assistance and what does that look like? Um, and I sat in on a, we have to do intro to faith, reason, and justice classes. Um, and we talk about just a lot of breakdowns of biblical justice, social justice. And I remember the day they were talking about, um, just homelessness and poverty and the impacts of that. And I broke down and just this thought of there's so many people in need and what can I do? And I'm just one person, but like, what can I do? Um, and my... One of my TAs, uh, the teacher's assistant at the time, um, was a social worker, and mm-hmm. I actually got to talk with her about what does social work mean. It's literally a helping profession mm-hmm. that you get to um, come alongside of people and help them navigate um, just different things in their lives or sit with them. There's so many different facets that social work can do yeah. on a micro scale um, or macro and policy, and um, I just fell in love with the fact that part of my profession, our description is just to value human beings mm-hmm. and help them find their inherent dignity and worth. Um, so I had changed, or formally, I guess, claimed my major to be social work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I had always thought counseling was my route or um, just doing more within the mental health service. Mm-hmm. I 
see, I mean, mental health is so important and it's yeah. not talked about enough, um, but just the reality that we all, you know, have places that we need processing and we need support mm-hmm. in to talk through. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to help provide that. So I thought counseling was my route. And along the way and with those closed doors or open doors, I saw the Lord really just, um, this, this job specifically, I had not done foster care or adoption for any of my internships or just past job experiences, but um, there's something about the position that I loved. It talked about talking with children and youth, hmm. um, and I love both of those just, I guess, age ranges of working yeah. with young kids, but also, yeah, youth and getting to invest into them. Um, and I, yeah, went in for an interview, and ever, ever since, I think, just getting this job, I've learned so much along the way of, yeah, this is where the Lord um, mm-hmm. has opened up my heart and my passion to be mm-hmm. in. Um, I say to my staff and to myself and my coworkers just all the time that I will live a hard day all over again because this profession for me makes it so mm-hmm. um, worthwhile, like these kids make it so worthwhile. Um, mm-hmm to want to do and I see this job and this role as a lot of just like redemption and broken places um broken stories broken just I mean the fact that again it's children are being moved from homes um there's a lot of just loss and brokenness in that and we get to bring um just love into this and help them walk alongside of that um yeah and I I just love that I get to help a kid be a kid at the hmm. end of the day um, yeah. and just get to experience the fullness of life hmm. and navigate all those other things services yeah. and whatnot but just at the end of the day be a kid yeah. um, and be in an environment that is loving and nurturing and I see the Lord in that um, and just like his selfless love and so very much for what I have received out of his selfless love I also you know want to give that and I've seen this work be um, just that heart, the heart in the hands of Jesus in that yeah. way. Um, yeah. And so I, I mean, it's one of those things where I found like, this is what I, you know, want to be a part of, um, in some way, shape, form or facet, um, just loving on kids and youth and families. So yeah, it's been, it has been one of those, I didn't expect it. And, um, I also now can't picture doing anything in a different realm. Hmm. But, That's, yeah. I think there's a lot of like really cool things to pull from what you just said but one thing is like I know a lot of people who listen are like high school students who are thinking about what they want to do with their life and if you can find something that allows you in some way to be the hands and feet of Mm -hmm. Jesus like that doesn't necessarily mean you're a pastor or a youth pastor right but you can still be doing Jesus's work in the lives of others like that's a huge clue that this is something worth investing your life in and that's what you get to do and when you think about Jesus like he like was a social worker he was (laughs) oh he for sure was yeah he's like come and follow me like I'm gonna help you navigate life (laughs) like here we go um but it's it's beautiful to hear how you were like willing to change like your idea of what your life would look like and also willing to press into uncomfortable things like Mm -hmm. things like foster care or adoption because of brokenness um might intimidate some people but you were like no like let's help kids be kids and let's press into it yeah um so that's really cool and I think I you and I have talked about before that I'm adopted Mm -hmm. and um it's I always think about like 
whenever I think about my adoption, I always picture like, obviously I don't remember them because I was a baby, but the two women who were the social workers on my case mm -hmm. and like they were like the matchmaker <laughs> yeah. because of them. Yeah. I have like the parents and the family that I have, yeah. like they advocated for that. Um, so I'm someone who like loves social work mm -hmm. on a personal level because of social work. I got like my mom yeah. who everyone saw was oldest Anya. Yes, and Zateo, and I've never said that, but that's all because of two social workers <laughs> yes. yeah. and Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that kind of brings me to this next question and you can take it any angle you want. Cause I made it really broad, but what are some like misconceptions or stereotypes about maybe it's social work or about adoption or about foster care, any misconceptions or stereotypes that you've come across in your line of work that you want to like dispel? Yes. <laughs> Many myths that yeah. you want to bust that for you. <laughs> I know there's, there's a, there's a list though. No, yeah. um, I did, I get to ask some different staff from my nice. job, directors and counseling therapists and supervisors, just some of their thoughts about this too. So I have a few different just areas that I think we, all felt like, yep, yeah, these are these are the misconceptions. Ooh, this um, is exciting. Yes. yes um, I mean, one of the biggest ones that we, we had said just all together was birth parents uh, and, and just this reality of foster care exists because, again, there was some type of level of safety that wasn't able to be achieved. That's yeah. the kind of the base. And where that comes in then is um, children have goals of reunification or adoption. Yeah. Um, and that can be for a number of different ways or reasons, um, but typically the first and foremost goal that we always see is that reunification is and should be the ultimate goal. Yeah. Children should be with their families. Right. And if that's not possible, there's other avenues, but um, the biggest part of foster care is just seeing birth parents navigate all of these different challenges mm -hmm. just to get their, their children back. Yeah. Um, and so there's misconceptions truly and to put it, I mean, frankly, is that birth parents don't love their children and they decide to choose things mm. um, over their children. Um, so whatever brought them in, and sometimes that can look like a range of things, um, but that, yeah, there is just this level of they didn't care enough or they're not doing enough to want to get them back. Um, and that, yeah, just there's this reality and I, I've heard statements from families of, of this piece of, if you know, if you loved your kid, you do whatever to get them back. Their families could get their act together, right? Like why, what are they doing? Um, and so there's this reality and this misconception that they're not trying enough or they're not, you know, trying to um, one, just like love their kid, yeah. period. Um, and so they, but it's also this reality that they face barriers. There's so much of just systemic barriers that are um, challenging them and they're not able to just get their child back. They, yeah. The court wants to see it be done safely. Um, and there's lack of just transportation, mental illness, there's biases, lack of support, um, generational trauma that birth parents go through. Yeah. That's also impacting the way that they're able to parent and the simple fact of money too, money mm -hmm. and housing um, and access to that or lack thereof. And uh, so it's it's a challenging for, for birth parents itself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those kind of side-by-side -side pieces of we want to, yes, love kids and get them to be safe and, and have permanency, but that can be with their families. That doesn't have to always be adoption. and adoption isn't the only route um, 
foster care isn't just a path to adoption or rescuing a child. Um, it's not about having, you know, just a child uh, for foster care for a child to be in a family, but a family to step up for a child. Um, so those are also, you know, misconceptions that we see too of like family feeling, I want to, I'm doing this for me, or I'm doing this for, um, or, you know, we're doing this to, to be a savior. Um, and it's everything opposite of that. It's we, we want to point them to a savior and we want to give a family um, just this opportunity to care and love mm-hmm. for a child. Um, yeah, and I, I just I think the only other one too that we see common is that there's such a need for caring for babies in foster care. Mm. It's actually the opposite. We have a lot of teens mm. that go without homes and actually end up aging out of the foster care system. Mm. Um, and so there's actually more teens waiting for homes and for places to help them um, navigate through life. Um, more teens in care than I can tell you on the younger end, zero to five. Um, they, there's all ages, zero to 18, but it's definitely more on the upper end. We've wow. seen a lot of referrals and trends for kids over the age of 11. Hmm. Um, and it is one of the hardest pieces to have to, yeah, deny a referral because we don't have open homes mm. for teens. Um, so yes, there is all ages that are truly, yeah. um, needing and seeking homes Hmm. yeah well if you were someone who believed any of those stereotypes now you don't have to believe it you've been set (laughs) free there you go (laughs) the truth will set you free and we've heard the truth um so just a few more questions to pick your brain on and one is like how can the church or like christians do a better job of supporting the type of work that you do in the lives of children and families um because the body of Christ has been called to support all ages and to um, reach out to love justice and mercy and to do these um, life-changing things. And I, I don't know if the church always does a great job with that. It's okay. It's made of humans. Um, but what are some ways that the church could step up or Christians could step up? Yeah. Um, I just, one of the things is, is thinking about the church is a community of people that we're seeking to you know, do life together and love the Lord and learn more about the Lord and do this in a community. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that churches are, um, our hope is to be safe spaces. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a huge part of what the church can, can be. It's, um, it can be a place that is embracing of birth families. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be providing encouragement and support to them. Um, I actually, I hear and see often that I think families have a hard time sharing mm. that that's maybe a part of their story because there's so much shame mm. that comes with um, having their children be removed from them. Yeah. But those are the very people that need the most support. Um, and so they can really be embracing to them, um, so providing safe spaces and just encouragement to them along their journeys. Um, in practical ways, churches can be fun and comfortable spaces that actually can host visitations if they wanted to. If there was an mm. open church space in a room and someone's willing to um, host it there, there's a lot of times where kids need community meeting spaces to yeah. to meet with their parents um, and do that in a safe environment. Mm. Um, they can provide training spaces so that organizations can better equip foster families or birth families. Um, yeah. So there's like even practical ends of that. Um, 
And there's also, I think, just part of the church body and what people can do. There's mentorship opportunities if people want to come alongside of youth. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many youth, and I really believe this so firmly, that um, we all are just one positive adult away from being a success story. Mm -hmm. If you have one person that um, shows up in your life or mentors you along the way, I mean, what a positive change and outlook that can add to a child. Um, So it takes one one person. But mentors, um, for for kids and youth, you can babysit. Um, Mm -hmm. So that foster families can go to their appointments or just get a break. There's practical ways of providing to organizations, hygiene, comfort items. They're always needed. Um, We always give out, we try to give out backpacks with blankets when kids come in. Sometimes they come in with clothes, sometimes they come with absolutely nothing. Um, And so they're really starting from kind of a, a, you know, just a scratch, just with nothing. Um, And you, they're they're building up because they were just taken from an environment where maybe they had some things, but now they have absolutely Nothing. So there's practical ways of providing um, for kids, providing meals to foster families. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot to navigate throughout a week. I think anyone can say that, though, but sometimes even a meal is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I mean, I think the the biggest is just prayer. Prayer for children, for families, prayer for um, the transitions that are happening, prayers for the court system and the case managers for wisdom. the judges that have to make determinations for a child's entire life. It is something that I still struggle to comprehend. It's really hard and also this, again, big sovereign type of, they're making this, <laughs> I mean, yeah. a big a big choice for them. So prayer for wisdom. Um, and that that is always just, prayer makes, prayer makes all of the difference. So yeah, those are some just practical ways and, and it's really just wrapping around. Um, it's what the body of Christ is, right? Like we, we are all connected together and we can do many things together. Um, we have our gifts separately, but I think that there's this beautiful sense of how community can wrap around. Um, and there are a lot of ways to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I just have two questions left. And this one you've probably already sort of answered with all the other answers, but is there anything that you think is important that you haven't already said. Uh, maybe you could just be like, rewind. <laughs> but is there anything else that you think is important that teens or Christians or anyone listening should know about foster care, adoption, social work, justice work? Um, anything that someone listening right now like should know? I think in terms of even just bring it to, to faith and the gospel, there's so many ways to see how does, how, do, how can they see the kingdom of Jesus mm-hmm. in in the work that I'm doing. And there's, for different professions, there's always like, where can I look for the Lord in this? Um, in, in social work, I, I see it as, and foster care, I just see it as the heart of God, of him stepping into brokenness and broken situations to come into a place where we can be made whole again. Um, and so where where is this gospel message in that too? It's where can I see, you know, the Lord in, how to navigate my next steps. And I very much for our profession, we see we don't know what every day is gonna look like. Something could change drastically the next day. And so there's so much of just wanting to trust the Lord too, um, trusting that he is in the brokenness with us, mm-hmm. that he's in the steps um, and that he sees the hurt and the sorrow and he wants to restore and bring joy. 
Yeah. And so even that basic message I said earlier, just helping kids be kids, a part of this work too, is we just want to help bring joy and also normalize um, hardship for them and normalize mm-hmm. that um, they don't have to go through it alone. Um, I think that's very much just principles of social work, but also just being um, being the hands of Jesus and being lights is, is that how can we be a part of redemptive work? Mm-hmm. Um, a part of recognizing brokenness and wanting to be a part of restoration. And sometimes restoration just looks like showing up for someone. Yeah. It doesn't always mean having the right words or fixing all the problems, but just being there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of what this work in this field is and um, this hard work, showing yeah. up Shown and up. yeah, being, being there in the broken. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's neat to be reminded of that because sometimes we think like, like, yeah, God's in the brokenness, but I need to be, like, unbroken to, like, really connect with God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, the Lord delights yeah. in our weakness because that's where God is strong. And, yeah. like, our strength comes in some of the most broken times. And it's really neat that you get to be a part of that process in other people's lives. And everyone can find redemption work in some way in mm-hmm. what they do. Yeah. Um, even if you're just, you know, bagging groceries at the true. grocery store, so true. like there's, there's moments where you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, um, one of the, my goals with these, um, this new round of episodes we're doing for Pass the Salt is to ask the people I'm interviewing how anyone listening can pray for them. So just tell us how we this week or this whole year, the rest of our lives <laughs> can pray yes. for you and like maybe pray for your staff or mm-hmm. pray for... Um, it's Bethany Christian Services, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So just like tell us how we can all be like bringing you and everything you do to the Lord. Yeah. Um, I guess even with what we just talked about, the system is very broken and in general, um, foster care system and just navigating mental health services. There's a lot of unfortunate um, waiting and turnover pieces. So I think when I when I think of what prayer is necessary, it's just prayer for faithfulness and the journey mm-hmm. of it. Um, prayers for peace um there's a lot of hard news that we get all the time and so how do you navigate that that place of finding and seeking peace in spite of that sorrow um and pressing on um peace strength in all that and i think i guess wisdom is the biggest thing um wisdom for navigating that wisdom for um sometimes the words to say or what the action to do Mm -hmm. and think biggest yeah wisdom for all of those people that do have more of a decision making uh, Mm -hmm. part over a child's life courts uh court systems in general guardians at at litem that are supporting kids and um the court appointed judges that how are how are they you know navigating these choices for kids and yeah there's a lot that goes into um a child's life (laughs) i mean that's a that's a large statement and understatement um but just wisdom for all of those involved in the day-to-day of a child and navigating um navigating their their journeys with them and alongside of them um yeah and just wisdom for the process hmm. well so yeah lots of lots, lots of, of prayers, prayers. <laughs> lots so of prayers we'll pray for the, the court system and the foster care system we'll pray for faithfulness yes. pray for wisdom yeah. for people making decisions and for peace when hard news comes yeah yeah <laughs> Wow, Kyra, this was very enlightening and interesting. I think you're 
an exceptional person. <laughs> and you too. Oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you so much for like sharing a bit of your brain and your heart with us. Yeah. And um, we'll talk to you again okay. soon. Okay. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>